Hi, welcome to Life Take Shape. I'm Denise Mullane. And I'm Trisha Beckham. Join us as we discuss what has shaped our lives so you can get your life in shape. In part three of our four-part series about our careers, we talk about hitting our stride, becoming invaluable, and reflecting on how world events can shape our lives. All right, so jumping back in, we're going to talk about the fulfillment phase. And so you are in New York. I am in Phoenix. And uh, I actually decided to go to grad school. And so I moved to San Diego because I got into grad school. Oh my gosh, which was so freaking brave. I I was like, this woman is awesome. (laughs) Well, and I was, I was devastated because I applied to uh, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and got denied. Oh yeah. You would have been so close to me then. (laughs) I would have been so close and it was East Coast. And I was like, I love the East Coast. Um, But then I did get into the University of Texas at Austin. And uh, to this day, I regret choosing San Diego, even though I loved my time in San Diego. uh, University of Texas at Austin was a powerhouse still is in advertising, especially at the graduate level. But I don't, know why I don't remember that, that the Texas I, thing. I don't know. I, I really don't think I told people because I didn't want people to think I was a wuss because as much as you think I was brave, I was like, I can't go to Texas. It's too far away. And I, I was from California. So I went with the safe, which is such a bad idea, but there's, there's good that came out of it. I mean, I I wouldn't probably be married. I probably wouldn't have my two kids. So I try to think, well, that's the good of it. But I, I just, I didn't end up majoring in advertising that's not what I got my grand degree in <laughs> and I really I, I loved advertising so that was for me I was like oh no and I think and again it's hard today because I wouldn't be a professor of communication if I didn't go to San Diego State but there's days I really miss advertising because I really loved that that job but I just didn't have the chops I didn't have the mental capacity uh, to handle that kind of stress so anyways so I'm in San Diego and I'm in grad school, but I need some money. And so I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Well, of course I'm going to get a job in advertising. So I applied at a company run and managed by women. It was called the Townsend Agency in La Jolla. And it was really a PR agency. So they were Hmm. PR focused, public relations focused, but had just begun this advertising division because some of their clients were starting to really expand their marketing presence and realizing, gosh, we need advertising too. And you guys are doing such a good job at PR. Let's do advertising. Now, I don't know why you would ever put those two things together because they are just going to ask you as a lay person, like, do those two go together but they they go together under that there are these four p's of marketing and when you look at the four p's of marketing under promotion would come advertising Advertising. and public relations they would both be there because advertising is kind of promoting your brand and your product right pr is more like this is about us as a brand and we care about you and we're a good brand and we're a good company it's more like identity management 
Whereas advertising is mm. more about buy, buy this. Oh, you need yeah, this. yeah. Okay, that makes so, so much more sense. Like, you just put it to me. <laughs> but I have never in my life gotten along well with women in PR. And there is, I'm sorry if you're in public relations, but you know, if you're in public relations, that you're a type of person. Okay. Yes. There and, you have to be. And, and maybe what I'll say is those of us in advertising, we think we're pretty uh, awesome and amazing as well. And so there's this really, so when I worked at Mullen in Phoenix, we had a PR division and these women were like, I mean, I was like, man, I'm cutthroat, but, but these women are, but her knife is way sharper than mine. <laughs> like, Ouch. You know, oh, I, I had like a little paring knife and she had her, you know, chef, carving knife, carving yeah. knife, chef's <laughs> knife. And I was just like, she, these, these women are ruthless. Like I just, yeah. the way they talk, the way, but they were very driven and successful. And most of them were always single it was just, oh yeah, were, because that's all, they were all about their job, right? Like yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. occasionally there was a guy that would come and work there and they were fine. Like I had no problem getting along with the male PR guys, but anyways, Ooh. we, we, we got to open that. We got to open we, that topic <laughs> later on in our podcast, but okay. Because <laughs> it's a topic for sure, but I can yes, tell yes. you, we would have to do events. So like if there was an event for like we did the advertising for some of the golf communities here in Phoenix. And then all of a sudden the, the PR people would have to be there too. And you were just like, Oh man, is that who's got assigned to this account? Or is that who got assigned to this event? Like, I can't even know if I can work with her. She's, she's rough, but (laughs) but you figured out a way to do it. So anyway, so when that PR experience, which really I didn't have PR experience, but it, it made sense when Townsend interviewed me that since I had come from a place that had advertising and PR under one roof, they thought I would be a good fit. So I get hired and at the very same time, they hire another person, and she went to Purdue. So she graduated okay. from yeah. Purdue. Mm-hmm. And here I am with my NAU, and Degree. she's like, NA who? And I'm like, right. like, what school did you go to? It's a small school. Well, then she had, like, published a chapter or something in a marketing book, like, as an undergrad student. She was just a show off. She was the <laughs> nicest person in the world. She gave me a maple cured Thanksgiving turkey recipe that I still have. And so I always think of her. And her name was Tiffany. And she kind of had a little like lispy voice. Like she probably could have been a voiceover for like a romance novel read aloud. Ooh. But she was okay. super nerdy and super nice. And it was just weird. And so she over, and I, a little overachieving. It, oh, God. Like beyond. And I was a very mm. underachiever, right? I never realized my maximum potential because I was kind of just, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason. So, so I'm working <laughs> with her and she's always like slightly on my nerves, but she's the nicest person and you can't yeah. figure out why. Why? But yeah. I kind of felt like she was always giving me advice, always telling me what to do. Like she mm-hmm. had some- No, t- Trisha don't like that. Trisha do not like that. And I felt like- <laughs> We had, our experience was commensurate with one another. You know what I mean? Like, I think we had been in the field in the same amount of time. Maybe she had a little bit more experience. And so I really was getting frustrated. But anyways, uh, you know, we're kind of doing our thing. But it was just one of these experiences where the backbiting in that office, the backstabbing, 
the complaining, mm. the the toxicity that came in, one, but two, I just didn't fit in. I can't explain to you what was happening. I partially, I don't think the PR people liked that the advertising division was being built. I think they Um, resented us. They mm -hmm. didn't like kind of the dynamic changing, whatever it was. I was in a miserable Mm. situation and I would get to work at 6 a.m. because I had to be out by 3 p.m. to to get to my classes because all graduate classes were like 4 to 7. So I would get I would get to work at my desk at 6. I would work all day till 3. I would drive down to San Diego State. I would go to class till I think 730 or 8 go home and do it all again the next day. That is just wild. And I think about yeah. How how was it? How did you get through it? Yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I think eventually I was like, I got to find another job. I'm miserable. It's been I was there three months, and that was my that was my Mm. thing. You know, some people are like, you have to stay there a year. No, no, no. I was like, this is so awful. I can't stay here a year. It's three. No, I get it. Right, and I'm out. No, I get it. But that's the thing in us too. Almost like what we talked about earlier. It was like we got we can do this. We got to stick to it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get through it. I'll figure it out. But probably at that point in your life there was just so many things going on so you're like I gotta give this part it's okay I'm out gotta go (laughs) yeah yeah and I just didn't I just couldn't do it so I applied to an agency called Bulldog Drummond and Bulldog Drummond is an old British detective I didn't know that I was just like this is a weird (laughs) wacky name like it is a weird wacky name I'll go check these people out And that was the best decision I ever made because Bulldog Drummond was founded by a guy named Sean Parr. And he is just a lovely man, but super British and just to (laughs) die for hilarious and would just say things. And you would look at him like, what is even happening? So here, um, real quickly, (laughs) I'll just tell my Bulldog Drummond story because I wasn't, I wasn't there long either. So I'm at Bulldog Drummond and I am, um, like an account assistant. So I'm like account executive, like a junior account executive, mm-hmm. which I'd already been an account executive, but I kind of took a step down because I was in grad school and I didn't want a lot of responsibility. So my, I was an assistant to this girl named Brooke, who was delightful, sweet, kind, was never mean to me a, a day in her life, but she was kind of, uh, you know, oh. all over the place. She was just all over the okay. place. But I remember... This one day I walk into work and she had bought me this mug that was like the cutest mug you had ever seen. And um, I just thought, this is so weird. Like, why would she buy me a mug? Buy me a mug. And it was literally just like, you're doing such a great job. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being awesome. And I'd been there like a month. And then like, and then here's a mug and, and here's a mug. <laughs> and then like, she invited me and my, my boyfriend at the time to go to like, uh, San Diego Padres game because her husband had like front row tickets or something and like the nicest pr- I can't explain to you like she was awesome she was great her husband was great just just left her and so this one day I show up for work and um I can't even remember what happened no this is what happened so I end up getting pregnant and I've, okay. I've been at Bulldog Drummond two months. And I'm like, they are going to fire me, but I'm just <laughs> super sick. Like, not throwing up, but so nauseous. I was struggling. 
And yeah. so you're like, I some I have to tell someone they're going to figure it out sooner or later. They're either going to think I have a, a severe drug or alcohol problem, problem. or yeah, yeah, yeah. they're going to fire me. And so I'm just going to be honest. So I walk in and I, and I, we have like, like I have to talk to it. So it's like the CEO, Sean Parr, his partner, Neil, who I just was such an exceptional human being. And then Dustin, who was like the agency manager, I guess that's how you would, you would say it. So those three are in the meeting and I'm just like, I just wanted to let you guys all know why we're here that, you know, I just found out that I'm pregnant and I just thought I would let you guys know I'm not feeling the best and I'm just, I'm not sure, you know, where that leaves us. But of course you guys should be the first to know. And Neil looks at me and, and I'm like, this is awful. First of all, I don't even know if I want to have kids. Second of all, I don't even think my boyfriend and I are going to work out and nothing could be like farther. Like it was just all, this is the worst (laughs) thing ever. It's not a good time right now. And, And Neil looks at me and I will never forget this. And he says to me, babies are always good news. Oh, and I am thinking to myself, he has no idea what bad news this is. All right. Well, because you'd only been there. He doesn't really know you too well. He doesn't know me too well. And they were the most supportive, wonderful people ever, ever, ever. Like, I don't think one of them, they're like, you're fine. You're good. We love you. We think you're great. Fine. Oh, that's so amazing. It was so amazing. And, And, you know, just the greatest male response you could ever get so Mm -hmm. two weeks later I show up for work and again super nauseous just struggling and uh I I walk in and I'm like hey you guys where's Brock and Sean Dustin and Neil said oh yeah well we probably should talk to you about that I said oh okay can you meet us in the conference room sure so I walk in the conference room and uh, I go so what's up they're like we had to let Brooke go. <laughs> this is all. This is all coming back to me now as you're talking about all this. I'm sorry. And I'm I like remembering said, things in my head. Excuse me. Did you do you not remember what I said two weeks ago about <laughs> me being sick, about me being pregnant, about me yeah. being in grad school? And Neil, again, this guy, right, looks at me, goes, "Yeah, yeah but you just get it." You get advertising. <laughs> you get these accounts. Brooke, Brooke never got it. And I am yeah. looking at these three people and I'm like, they have damn <gasps> lost their minds. I, like, <laughs> I am not the person for this job. And yet they nope. believed in me more than I believed yes. in myself. Exactly. And that's what you need. That's what you need. <laughs> so really that was it. And I, I stayed at Bulldog Drummond a long time. I remember... <clears throat> Sean, Neil, and I were on, we're working one account. It was called the Wedding Channel. And we would drive from San Diego to LA. And with traffic in LA, oh, I can't even. you're talking three and a half hours in the car. So we'd leave at 7 a.m. And here these two are in the front, like, la, 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 la. And I'm like, Preg- I'm pregnant. I- guys, guys, <laughs> I got to stop and go to the bathroom. They're like, we're only in Irvine. I'm like, you guys fired Brooke. You guys wanted me to be on this account. Stop right now. Stop the, yeah, stop the car, please. So <laughs> anyways, yeah, it was just, and they would just be like, again, I'm like, zip it. Where's Brooke? 
Where is Brooke? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm the one sitting here. So ultimately, how long were you there the whole time you were in grad school? Uh, no. So I was there okay. for a year. So I finished my, my freshman year or the first half of my, my grad program um, there. I do remember there. working mm-hmm. on a research paper at Bulldog Drum and I'd like shut my door and I had kind of like hijacked the afternoon to work on something. Done something for school. And yeah. Sean opened the door and he said, I better never open the door to see you working on school again. <gasps> and you know, okay, got it. He cool. had every right to say that because he was paying me mm-hmm. and I just, I was up against a hard deadline and I ended up doing really badly in that class because of it. But so anyways, and then once my son was born, um, I remember I, I, my son was born in October, but I went on bed rest in September, September oh, 1st, right. I got put That's on bed right. rest and we were doing, uh, consumer research for a brand of, uh, bridesmaids dresses. And so I was sitting on my couch every day for eight hours calling bridal salons, bridal shops across the United States, asking what they thought about the brand. What did the bridesmaids think about the brand? What did the brides think about the brand? And that's what I did up until my son was born. That was like the project they put me on. And uh, my son was born. And then I was scheduled to go back in January, January 1st. And I went down there and I had a meeting and they were all like, okay, we're going to have you on this account. We're going to team you up with this. This is going to be that. We'll have you work there, that, that. And I left that office thinking, I cannot do what they want me to come back and do. Uh-huh. One, yeah. two, I love them for believing in me. But three, I can't physically leave my son. Like I don't, my heart can't take uh-huh. it. And so I went home and I said to my uh, husband, because by then we had gotten married, shotgun wedding, what are you going to do? <laughs> was there. You were I there. witnessed you it. Were there. You remember, there was, a, there was a shotgun. I think my dad was holding it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. But, um, and I said to him, I will sell my car. I will ride the bus, but please don't make me go back to work. And mm-hmm. he looked at me and he said, no problem. You don't have to go back right. to work. And so I called Sean the next day. And again, this is why he ranks. So I almost get choked up when I think about what he said to me. Yeah. But I called Sean and I said, Sean, I'm so sorry. I just can't come back. And he said yeah. to me, we are so sad that you're not coming back because we just love working with you. And we just think you do such a good job. But you know what, Trisha? We can find an account executive to take your place. But Christopher cannot find somebody else to be his mom to be his mom oh my god and that's such a wonderful human being like you said just a wonderful way to be and taking the whole yeah yeah career part out of it and just saying be you have to do what's right for you as a person yeah and and it was one of those things where what he what he said to me and not literally what he said to me but what I took from that was you're making the right choice That's what I heard him Mm -hmm. say to me. You're making the better decision. You're making the decision that matters more in the long term. And that was it. And that was in 2000. So that would have been January 
2000. That's when the 2000. Yeah, that's when the world was supposed to end. The Y2K was supposed to end the world, but it didn't. Oh, rise. right, that's right. But it didn't. Oh my gosh, all the, all the computers were supposed, were supposed to, crash, to crash. Yeah, and they did not. The globe was just supposed to implode, right? In such a crisis. Yeah, nothing. Nothing yep. happened. But, happened. Uh, that was it. Right. And so I did not go back to work until after my second son was born. So I think that would have been all of 2000, all of 2001. And then I didn't go back to work until the end of 2002. So, wow. Yeah. That's, so that's kind of my, my fulfillment but you, phase, I would say of my career. That's when I really, Bulldog Drummond was one of those places where I was like, God, this is the best of who I can be in advertising. And this is the best mm. agency for me to be at. Right. Right. But you probably felt you're most alive in advertising. 100%. There. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But even though you didn't work, you were still working on your master's degree. So it's not like you were, yeah. you know, just home chilling out with the baby. Not that you're chilling out with the baby. I don't even know why I would say something like that. Um, shame on me. But <laughs> no, <laughs> you were raising a baby and going and getting your master's yes. degree at the same time and then became pregnant and then became again. pregnant again. Yes. Taught. And then I was right. a graduate teaching associate that I did have a, a small semester when I was pregnant the second time. And I was so <sighs> pregnant. And I was, I was only, I think I was 29 at the time. And my students were just like the greatest. Like one of my students was in the sorority and she's like, will you be my, my mentor? And like, I used to go to sorority events with her, like pregnant. And I'm like, this is horrifying, but they were so sweet and kind. And everybody in my program was so supportive and just, uh, yeah, awesome. So that was my focus for uh, 2000, 2001. And, and my thesis took quite a long time. I think my thesis took me a year, not the semester it's supposed to, but yeah. So I came to San Diego, a single person with no master's degree. And when I left San Diego, several years later, I had two babies, a husband and a master's degree. So, Hey, <laughs> that is a lot of stuff packed into a small amount of yeah. time. It's four all years, 98 you... to 2002. I mean, there was some stuff oh, going on. Stuff going on, right. But all in all, that whole experience um, as wild and, and like up and down and like twist and turn as it kind of took a little bit, You there's so many positive and amazing things that had you gone to – Texas yeah. had you gone to North Carolina yeah. like you wouldn't have had so True. you know you made the right decisions for you you were on the right path yeah, I think so seems. but anyways well let's yeah. talk about what was going on at this during this time in New York oh oh boy well I think career-wise I mean I was kind of just on this like even keel in terms of work, you know, um, I mean, my work was, you know, I worked with client, I had multiple clients at the same time and working on projects for them, sometimes six months, eight months to a year, sometimes for a whole project from beginning to end where a client would move into their space. So there wasn't like too much, I would say, up and down in terms of career. Um, I kind of was like in my groove, I guess yeah. I would say it hit my stride you know, working at WB Wood and um, just kind of like cruising along, I guess. And I mean, my company wasn't, it still isn't um, like a huge company. So it's not like, you know, there's a ton of upward mobility there, but uh, you know, I was 
having good review, like reviews and getting raises steadily along the way. And so I feel like I was, I was doing what I was supposed to do. You know, I was moved. Well, no, not even yet. I, I was dating my husband, who's my husband yeah. now. Uh, we kind of had gotten back together after breaking up. And um, so kind of like my personal life was a little bit was gelling as well during the same period that you were in California. But I don't know, I, I guess I was almost maybe I wouldn't say bored. But I was content yeah. status quo How about content status quo content is a is a good is a good word um, for that. But um, but you had some cool clients like is this when you had like the NHL and you would have like major yeah. baseball and I'm like, these are the coolest clients well, ever. I can't remember all of them. I but. did. I did. I had some really cool, fun clients. But then at the same time, I had some very challenging clients. Um, and also just challenging people to work with in my office at the same time. So it was always like a constant navigation of like, okay, well, today this client is happy, but tomorrow this client is super unhappy. So I feel like I... I am the type of person I tend to like ride that wave as the client happy or unhappy. And then I kind of get in that headspace, which is not a good place to be. Like you should just be more even keel yeah. and not let the client's attitude drive your attitude towards something. Like you should always try to be more positive. So I, I think um, I kind of got stuck in that. And that sort of led me to almost become like a little bit resentful of my job, like starting at that yeah. time around the same time period. But I just was like, you know what? I got to just keep going. I got to just keep working. You know, um, I, I want to buy a house. Like I just like you have all these things and like you want in your future. So you're like, okay, I'm just going to keep if things are going along and I'm getting a raise and, you know, I'm just riding that train. Like, I'm just going to go with it. I wasn't I wasn't looking for to leave my company at any point in that time frame. Um, but then, um, unfortunately, you know, 9-11 happened, um, and I happened to be in the city the day that it happened in my office with all of my coworkers, um, and witnessing the tragic events unfold on that day. And, you know, I even called you yeah. that morning and you were in California oh, yeah. and I, I think I woke you guys up and I think, I feel like Chris answered the phone. No, I answered. It wasn't you that no, answered the phone? I, I answered, thought it was Chris for some I reason. I answered the phone and uh, you said, Trisha, I can't explain. There, there's planes flying over Manhattan. Planes don't fly over Manhattan. They're in Manhattan, Trisha. And I said, oh my yeah. God. And you said, turn on the news, Trisha, turn on the news. I, yeah. I don't know what this is. I remember is. telling you to turn the news on. I, yeah. I hung yeah, up I the do phone and I was kind of like, well, I, so I kind of got back into bed for a second. Cause I was like, okay, let me, let me. And I, I hung up the phone and Chris said, who's that? I said, it's Denise. She said, there's, there's planes in Manhattan. And I said, I don't know if you've ever been to New York. I said, but there, there can't be planes in Manhattan. And he jumped out of bed and he said, we got to get mm. downstairs right now. And literally I'm just by the phone all day because I do not know what's happening to you. And it was hours hours yeah. hours until I heard from you so but I'll let you continue because you can yeah. tell the events of the day obviously you were there well just in terms of like work and and life you know you kind of 
you're going through the day itself. And even now when I talk about it, it's like, I don't want to delve too deeply into it. Um, but it just, when you're walking through the city and you're seeing hundreds of thousands of people walking past you or with you, and you're all just sort of looking at one another, like you can't, nobody can really believe what, what has just happened. Um, and then you kind of make your way out of the city and you're trying to make your way to your family or get a hold of your loved ones on the phone, which was just chaotic because cell service was, you know, not working at the time. And you just sort of have to take, not in that day, but after that day, you have to take a step back, at least for me, and say to yourself, okay, that just happened. Yeah. And what am I going to, what am I personally going to do with that? Not that I could do anything about it, but what am I going to do with that? Um, and our office actually shut down. I want to say it was like for two weeks, possibly. It could have been shorter. It could have been longer. Maybe it was a week or maybe it was three weeks um, before we were allowed to go back to where my office was because my office was at 14th street which just below 14th street all the way down to southern manhattan was actually closed for much longer yeah. but we were like right at the cutoff point where my office was located and this was before really teleworking um honestly i mean it was probably right about the time when people were starting to get laptops and work remotely or what have you but um that wasn't really something people yeah. did um at least in my office sure. uh, at that time so i feel like that event which had an effect on millions of people, not just myself, but in terms of where I wanted to move forward and be in my career, it sort of was like a turning, it's like a turning point. Like if I feel like you're not reflecting on it, yeah, you're, you're not really like moving forward almost. You're kind of like staying in one well, place. And so, I think it, it kind of, I mean, it woke up the whole United States, like no matter who you were, yeah. <laughs> if were, you were right. there in New York, it woke you up on a whole new level. And, yes. and not that not yes. that people needed to be woken up by a horrible event like that. That's that's not what I'm saying, because it, it, it was such a great tragedy. And still to this day is just the most horrific thing um, that could have happened, I think, to the United States, uh, uh, you know, next to like civil yeah. war. I can't think if you're yeah. just talking about what's happened on our our soil. So. Soil, right, um, right. But yeah, it was just, and I remember you calling me and saying, and I don't know the name of the bridge, and I've run over all of them. When I did the New York City oh, Marathon, called me and said, yeah. <laughs> I, I just crossed the so-and-so bridge, and I'm, yeah. I'm on Long Island, and now, for whatever reason, did I think you could pick up the LARR? Were you able to get on the railroad? Yes. And you couldn't? Yes. So we, we did, we walked across, I, I'm pretty sure I walked across the Williamsburg bridge. Um, it was, it was either the Williamsburg or the Brooklyn. No, I'm, I'm almost positive. It was Williamsburg bridge. Um, and, um, my boyfriend at the time who was now my husband, but his friend actually picked me up at the end of the bridge in Brooklyn, um, on the other side on his motorcycle because no car there was like you couldn't people were just flooding the streets so you couldn't walk anywhere you couldn't drive your car anywhere excuse me so he came and picked me up on his motorcycle um and took me to his apartment for however long like you know i got over there just trying to see if like the railroad was working because again like your cell phone was like the flip yeah. phone at that time it wasn't like a smartphone so you're not like 
looking up are the trains running. You couldn't get on the internet and look up things. So all you had to go on was the news to say, oh, the trains are running now or they're not running or what have you. So I feel like I was at his house for, for his apartment for a while um, until I saw on the news that, uh, yes, the, the Long Island Railroad trains were starting to run again. So I was like, okay, well, you know, can you take me over to, you know, Atlantic Avenue and see if I can get, get on a train and go home. But um, yeah, it wasn't until a few hours later. And then of course the trains were packed. I mean, packed, packed, packed yeah. with people trying to get out of the city and, and get home to their loved ones. And, um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of like the start of me thinking like, maybe I need to think about, um, not having a career in Manhattan and thinking about maybe doing something on Long Island and, you know, what would that, what would that look like? Like what, what kind of jobs could I get on Long Island that would, would help me uh, continue to do what I wanted to do and pay the same amount, maybe be on par. Um, But once I kind of started researching a little bit of that, uh, didn't really money on Long Island for what I was doing in the city was definitely not the same. And so, you know, in the months after 9-11, of course, there was a lot of change in my industry in terms of how you access a building or a job site to deliver furniture, install furniture, like a lot of new things came yes. about uh, in terms of how that process would work. And in, in in relationship to what I, I did for a living, even in, in terms of construction and, and things all, like that, um, that I have no yeah, idea about, but, <laughs> but all because of the heightened security, right? I mean, that's what, yes. that's what was driving yes. all of these new measures right. that probably made things, you know, of course, safer for you, but extremely difficult and challenging. But, yes. It just became much more challenging to it added a whole other layer to, to my job. Uh, description, which, you know, I, yeah, it's necessary, a thousand percent necessary. And I felt more comfortable with the, you know, once you get used to the ideas of the changes, you're like, okay, I get it. I understand why they have to happen. I'm appreciative of these changes, but it was a, it was a learning curve for all of us during that time. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, after things kind of calm down a little bit, a few months later, you're sort of like right back into that rush of like, okay, we've got to work. Our clients are still moving. Construction's still happening. You know, people are still wanting new space. So you, even though you're still healing from all of these things that have gone on around you, um, you know, York's that place, man, you get back up on that horse right away. Yeah. Get back to, to doing what, what you really need to do. Understandably so. So there's, there was like, for me personally, it was like, I think I needed more time mentally, sure. but it was like, nope, got to go back to work. Got to get back on that horse. Got to do the job I'm here to do kind of. A and thing. was so. that when, were you able to work some from Long Island or no, that wasn't until years later, I feel like. Yeah, no, I really didn't. I didn't telework. Everything still. was still desktop. Everything was yeah. paper. So much pain. And I remember very clearly <laughs> you talking to me about the anxiety you had going to yes. work every day. And this lasted a, yeah. a long, long time for yes. you. It absolutely, it absolutely did. I mean, just, you know, even the first, obviously the first couple of weeks, just going back to work, it's like, <gasps> I have to get on the railroad and like, and we have to go through a tunnel, you know, to get to Penn Station. And then I have to get on a subway to go to my office. And then, you know, once I'd get to the office, I'd feel calm. But if I had to go to an appointment somewhere, get it back on the subway or getting in a cab, 
you know, you just, it was, it was almost like you were like, okay, something else, something else going to happen. Something else going to go on. Like what, you know, you were living in that like unknown. I think tomorrow something might happen. I think tomorrow, and you kind of got to talk yourself out of that a little bit. I mean, eventually some of that did subside, you know, but there's not a day and I'm a thousand percent serious for me. There's not a day since that attack that when I would go to work, that it didn't cross my mind. Yeah. Every single day. I don't doubt it. How, so, could, how could it not? How could it not yeah. just, uh, and, and the fact that you stayed and you were able to talk yourself into it and that you, again, going back to you being a very gritty person to be able to do that, because I'm not sure that I would have done it. I, I'm not sure that I would have. I mean, I, I admire your ability to say, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. I like my job. I'm successful in this career. And yes, I have this horrible anxiety, but how can I manage it? How can I do this? What I call mental gymnastics. How can I do those Mm, mental gymnastics to get myself through this? And I know it will get better, but it's going to take a lot of, of gymnastics for me to, to overcome. Right. To get me there. Yeah. I think maybe if I had had my son already, if he was like a baby, baby at that time, yeah. you know, I probably would have been like, uh, yeah. I'm out. Sure. I feel like once you are like, you know, responsible for another human being, <laughs> probably make different decisions uh, on things because it was, it was such an uncertain time. Um, but I don't know. I was only going to be, how old was I? It was 2001. So you would have been 28. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, yeah, right. So I wasn't even married yet. I, I would think, you know, I was like, I was, at some, at some point to the other part of your brain goes back to you and you'd be like, I'll be okay. Everything will be fine. Nothing's going to happen yeah. to me. That has to take yeah. over, you know, and just say everything will be okay. Everything and, will be And right. I mean, you um, liked your work. You liked your job. You still yes. liked a I, lot of it. And I loved all the people that I was with. That was the other part, you know, experiencing that day with the coworkers and I was super close with so many people that I worked with that it was like I almost you wanted to be with them yeah and be like we're okay I want to see you we're still here you know those were my friendships those are my close friendships so it was comforting to be with them in the office almost like hey you know we're here we've been through this together and, and we can relate and we could talk about it with one another. Like, I feel like if, even if I had left and gone somewhere, somewhere to work in Long Island, it almost would be like, okay, I'm not, I don't have this type of bond with these people, which obviously you just you would develop over time. But it just would have been too weird, I think, to start at a new place and just not have that, um, that healing together with the people that you worked with that experienced that sure. with you. Yeah, absolutely. Sense? I think it's a no. it's a traumatic event to to put it mildly. And mm-hmm. you yeah. bond with people when you go through a traumatic event together. That's just how it is. I mean, I, that's just human kind of how we how humans process trauma. You know, who's with me, who right. was supporting me, and I'm going to cling to those people because they were there. It's that experiential bonding that you do. That's much different and much right. deeper than, than any long-term, you know, 
coworker relationship you could have. You've been through this traumatic event. No, so definitely. It's a whole new yes, thing. But yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I think yeah. both of us kind of at this point of our, we're, we're 28. We've, we've had, uh, you know, gosh, we both started working when we were 21. So we've got seven years of career behind <laughs> us. Right. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. now uh, yes. we kind of come to the, this next phase and, and you already touched on it. Is this, what is this all about? What am I doing with my life? What do I need to keep doing? You know, things like that. So I think the next kind of thing that we'll do is that disillusionment phase, those feelings that we had, but I think this is a good place to stop and just uh, let our audiences um, sit with that, you know, reminder of 9-11 and what people went through, but also to remind them that uh, as, as resilient as you are, New York City was, And uh, there's been some tremendous healing because of people like you, because of um, relationships that went through this trauma and were made stronger. And and that's why New York has overcome and has been victorious after 9-11 in many different ways. So anyways, yeah. Thank you. That was a great summary. Yeah, Thank you, you for that. All right. Well, that's it for today. <laughs> I think we covered a lot, talked about all of our upward movements and uh, some of our really great successes. So we will talk again soon. Thanks for listening and spending time with us today. Feel free to reach out to us on social media or visit our website at anchor.fm forward slash life takes shape to ask questions or leave comments. Please also take a minute to leave a review for this podcast if you enjoyed it. If not, don't say anything. Oh my goodness, no. We totally welcome comments to help our podcast continually take shape.